Welcome back to the Further North podcast, guys. Um, we've recruited again. Joel is back because we're only a few days out from the draft and we need to dive into some more draft chat before we can dissect everything that happens. Um, obviously, draft day is the day that we're going to either praise our club and be like, we're only a couple of years away from a premiership or um, we're going to be throwing things at the TV because we've drafted some random bloke we've never heard of, which is going to be a fun time. But before all that, let's analyze this. We're going to touch on a little bit of the mock draft. Um, we've got some questions from all of the viewers this week um, and the AFL made a very strange announcement to put the opening round everywhere, but Melbourne and nearly every team has a buy. So We'll dissect all of that, but Joel is back. So hello, Joel. Um, do you want to say hello to everybody? And people liked you last time, mate. So you're, you're a podcast favorite now. Ah, thanks. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Josh. Yeah, getting a lot closer to the draft now and the AFL starting to release stuff like obviously the schedule and uh, the mm. early first round stuff, which I'm sure we'll touch on, which is interesting to see, to say the least of what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. that is true. Did you see uh, they... North Melbourne's uh, social media marketing team looks like they've been working oh, overtime doing that the was AFL brilliant. 2004 <laughs> live 2004 intro or whatever it was. Great oh, time that game. That was fantastic. I loved it. I loved I it. I love the uh, diving mark onto the chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some great uh, finish from that actually. Was it Dennis Committee and Dermot Barrett in the commentators? Yeah. Like, who do you think will win today, Durham? It's like, uh, <laughs> I think North Melbourne. Well, I'll I'll go the opposite and I'll say the kangaroos. And I'm like, that is fantastic. <laughs> that is just my PlayStation 2 childhood, which is very nostalgic oh. and made me feel like I was about 12 again. <laughs> great memories, great times that game. I had it on the PC, which is very old oh, style. So good. I loved it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into the only topic that's not the draft, and then we'll get into all of that. Opening round. So the AFL has dropped on us a bombshell. Opening round is only going to be four games and they're going to play at the SCG, Heritage Bank Stadium, Giant Stadium, and the Gabba. No Victorian opening round games and only four games. So give me your thoughts on this. I mean, the first year that Carlton isn't terrible, they decided to take away <laughs> the opening game too. for them. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, the, the, the Blues are finally relevant and they've got, they've lost their, their opening yeah. game. I guess the Tigers probably aren't going to be crash hot this year, but no, yeah. Not. Do, do we but get all not. snobby as Victorians about like, I mean, I, I know I'm from Tassie and everything, so maybe I can uh, subside on this, but like <laughs> there's nothing, it's, it's a Victorian game and they're not putting any of the opening round in Victoria. Question one, why, why do you think the AFL has done this? Oh, it's purely marketing. They want the uh, northern states to get a bit more supporter base and to give them something to get excited about. Um, mm. I, you know, I mean, I think you should always have the opening game. You've got to have something in Victoria to start off with. Like, Absolutely. it's just, it's a travesty to be honest. But mm. as mm. a, uh, you know, blue blood Victorian, we uh, <laughs> get disappointed by these things. So I know. And look, I, I am from Tassie, as everybody knows. Uh, and I'm all for other states getting games and things. But even for me, like the AFL is Victoria at heart, right? And I'm assuming they're trying to compete with the NRL because the NRL starts the week before the AFL. Oh, that could be. I'm pretty sure. Um, I thought we sort of took the NRL out the back, knocked them over the head with a two <laughs> by four, rolled them in a carpet and threw them off a bridge. Are they still around, are they? I mean, the, you know, 3,000, 5,000 people they get to every the single game final. every single week. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's uh, every single week they get like these. They're passionate quarter, though, I guess. 
they're very passionate fans. <laughs> yes, yes, the old uh, NRL. I've no clue how that league runs, but they're, they're doing some things. Like they've had that board up in Vegas that they got really annoyed by the AFL didn't do it apparently on SEN. Well, I heard this today actually at the barber shop. Um, was that someone said that the NRL is going to play some games over in Vegas, which I think is a really cool thing. But the AFL is doing like a Sydney round in that week so they can get – or Sydney and Brisbane. I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but I heard someone be like, I've heard they're going to do a Sydney and Brisbane round or put on some really big games then when the NRL is not there to get people to try and go to see the AFL in those states. But I don't know. Makes sense. I'm yeah, it does make sense, but I'm I'm kind of all I'm all for growing the game across the entire country because we're the better game and we know that. But not not round one, like that's that's wild. Not, not opening rounds, you know that opening bounce at the G has always just been yeah iconic. It's been such a big moment, the big crowd coming in, the big sound, the hope of the season starting again. Big big but, sound, you know, yeah, yep. Now it's going to be yes. What's it? What is the actual opening game this year? Is it the one in Sydney? Let me have a look here. Thursday night, seventh of March, uh, Sydney, Melbourne. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, look, they have paired Good the teams, teams up okay. Be. It's yeah. like I guess it's a, it's all finals rematches really, except for Gold Coast and Richmond. That's the Saturday oh. afternoon game. What is going on there? But I understand the Damien Hardwick the, thing. Yeah, Hardwick. Come on. <laughs> He wants to watch the Gold Coast play. Gold Coast. <laughs> On the Gold Coast too. Ghost. Oh, gosh. The Gold Coast fans don't want to be there half the time. So. No. 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 <laughs> They'll probably be at the Gabba the night before and won't be able to turn up. Anyway, look, yeah. it is what it is. We can't do anything about it. But just, uh, look, I understand it for what they're trying to do, but I think it's a little bit, I don't know, read the room and don't alienate your fans who are always there by taking round one. Like, I think they could do this exact thing, but do it in round two. I feel like it'd be a completely different thing. Yeah, probably right on that one. I think we've got Giants round two up. That's our first game, isn't it? Giants up there. Yes, I I had these. I've got this here. So the first round one for us, it's on a Saturday afternoon. So watch out prime time. We're the prime time ruse (laughs) this year. No Sunday 440s. Um, You know what? What is happening here? I'm actually having a look here. We don't have a Sunday game until mm. round four or five. And that's yeah, not even the 440. So the first Sunday 440 game we've got is round six against the Hawks. Wow, we are prime time. Yeah, yeah they've put in us a lot more set days this uh, to start the year, which I was pretty happy with. It's where we actually didn't have too bad a mix on the schedule I saw. There was a couple of Friday night games there. We've got Carlton at Marvel for the uh, Good Friday game again, which we is do. a really big bonus. Um, though Absolutely. I did get disappointed at the back end of the year having a lot more of the Bloodstone Arena games. Well, I don't like finishing the season over there. I prefer, obviously, a bit more in Melbourne. But Port yeah, Adelaide's look, over there I'm a Tassie again. boy, and I do not want to finish the season over in Tassie. I mean, let's see. What is what is our last game? So it's uh, – no, it's in Tassie. Thorn. Okay, don't worry. So it's all thorn in Tassie. On Sunday. Yeah, it's long system, that one. Is, is that the that long system long one system. or the Hope one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've got yeah. five games in Tassie this year. Yeah. Well, get the coin for it while we can until the yeah, Tassie yeah, team yeah. comes in. And look, I I, I grew up going to Tassie. Aurora yeah. Stadium uh, back in the day or what was it called? Uh, York Park back in the day. So, look, uh, I've got a lot of memories from uh, North v. Hawthorne 
down in uh, Tasmania, but most of them are buddy kicking 13 oh. um, on a pouring, uh, pouring night. So, or uh, was that Scotty T that was on, or was that Tarrant? I think oh, it was Tarrant. You know what? It doesn't really matter who. Doesn't really there, matter. To be honest, <laughs> it, was, it was bad. <laughs> it might have been some Frito action, actually. To be honest oh. with you. Um, we dropped everything at him that day, actually. What are the other memories I've got? The only other memory I've got there is uh, Matt Campbell uh, doing some magic oh. up in the Ford pocket and years before that, Eddie Sainsbury going to work. So look, Classic. clearly I've got some big – I got my jersey signed by Ben Spate as well. So oh, that is that. a deep cut fan, that one. <laughs> Absolutely. I've still got it too. It was Ed Lower, Ben Spate, and Matt Campbell signed my jersey. So oh. <laughs> I could uh, auction hey. it off for a bit of coin. Gives you good memories though, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I don't know where to laugh or cry. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into some real stuff then. So um, we've had a rumored trade um, pop up in talks today. I'm just going to run that one through you. And then basically um, we'll go through a little bit of the mock draft we did last week and see if anything shifted about then some questions and then we'll be finished. So Maybe not as quite, quite as long as last time, but hey, people love the long episodes. What absolute psychopaths. Anyway, mm. the, the proposed trade today that's popped up in rumours, um, I, I got this from the uh, North Melbourne Shin Boners page. So thank you for them to, uh, to them for being uh, giving us all the information. You know, this is where I see a lot of this stuff. So they say uh, North Melbourne has interest in trading pick 17 and 18 for Sydney's pick 12. Give me your thoughts yes, on that. Yeah, that was today brought up by the on gettable by the Sydney boss. He was yeah, talking Sydney about that. Sydney GM of list strategy and recruitment, yeah. Kinia Beetson. What a stupid name. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> sure, he's um, friendly though. Oh, he could be. He seemed like a nice guy, I think. But um, <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. I, I to be honest, I wouldn't do the trade until late and until I knew who was available at that point. Um, looking at the draft. There's a couple of players around that that we would hope might slip down there. There's a Darcy Wilson. He's actually a North supporter. Um, okay. He's a bit more of a mid midfielder again, which is not overly what we need, mm. but he's probably that slight class above. Um, there's an extremely, extremely thin chance that O'Sullivan, who's a key position tall defender, um, from he was one of the captain. He was the captain of the uh, Murray Bush Rangers, and he was also the captain of the Allies, I believe. Mm. Um, he, there's an extremely slight chance he could land there, but it's looking like Essendon's getting very heavily connected to him. Yeah. Um, and the other one that might slip there would be a leak. Um, he's a utility. He's played out of Tassie as well. Um, there's a slight chance a few clubs above could reach on him, but him to get that low would be a bit surprising. So mm. I'd probably in North's position, wait to see what um, is available at that point before I start ponying up that trade. Because 17-18, we can still go for a bit more depth and a bit more of those key position plays that we are desperately craving. Um, the other one that you might move up for potentially is Will Green, because but Sydney's got a heavy interest in him at that pick. So mm. that's the other one. That's the interesting one. But I would probably... Rock, yeah, he is. He yep. is. Um, 204 centimetres. Big fellow, Victorian, uh, played from Northern mm. Knights. Um, he's the other one that you might go to there if he – but Sydney's probably the one who would take him with that pick if he's available. So, do, you think, um, do you think it's a bit early to draft an Ollie Murphy there? You could go Ollie Murphy there. 
you could. Um, Ollie Murphy, though, is starting has slipped a little bit because on his combine he ran a really slow 20 meters. Um, mm. So the 20 meter sprint, obviously, they like for key position defenders in way of um, obviously for leading up forwards. Um, it just of means course. he would have to, as a defender, be a lot more uh, structure driven. So it was only that he was well, you know, he played really well in all the competitions. He's still one of the highest ranked key position defenders, but that sort of has potentially let him slip down to our picks quite comfortably, a bit more comfortably than I thought. So that'd be good. I think there's also that other one. um, Yeah. Lawson, I think was the other one that they're looking at at the same. Now he's been getting a bit more word up from us, but it's going to be between those two guys. My gut feel is for us, but at that peak, you could easily, I think you'll get Murphy at that peak comfortably um, because Essendon will probably go O'Sullivan. And if O'Sullivan slipped that far, no one's taking O'Sullivan behind Murphy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, would you do it then? Yes or no? Just as a final? Um, I would wait to see. I would wait to the last second. I would wait to see if to see one of the players I want to see. Yeah. yeah. You would wait to see because if you get to that pick and then, you know, your best available is a player that you could have at uh, 15, there's no value in it for you and you can get a couple more options. But yeah. that's what it's going to come down to. But okay. I would probably say I wouldn't. At the moment, I'd say I wouldn't do it because I don't think the players – that I would want for us would be available there. For sure. Okay, then. Um, looking back at our mock draft last week, um, has there been much movement in positions that maybe affect North Melbourne? And There's always players dropping, um, rising up the ladder and all that sort of stuff. But has there been much movement if we were to run through our mock draft here really quickly? We did pick two. We said McKercher, pick three, Dersma. Um, 15 will take, uh, hopefully get someone like an Ollie Murphy. And then we had Collard and Green after that, who Collard uh, was the small forward and Green uh, the Ruckman. Do you think much has changed on that front? Because that was sort of a mixture of what we think they'll do, but also what we would like them to do. But especially the Dersma pick, we did say maybe we'd take Curtin instead of Dersma. Has much changed on North's draft board there? Um. I think for 15, 17, 18, we're still looking at very similar names to that we have been. Um, there's been a bit more of a link to Hardiman, who's the – he's 190 centimetres. He's a defender um, at a Swan um, district in Perth. Um, I really like him a lot. I think we're getting a bit more link to him. Murphy is sliding a little bit, but I think we could get him – I think we're more likely to get him with our picks. Though we don't have that same link to him as we do to this guy, Will Dawson. Um, but Dawson's just got a bit more – utilities in speed and uh, speed and uh, vertical jump. Um, We've also, oh, I think the linked players are still the same. There's another player that I'd like to mention, which is Taylor Goad. He's yep. a South Australian, uh, def- oh, South Australian Ruckman. He's 206 centimetres, 97 kilos. Jeez, they're um, breeding them big these days, aren't oh, they? Like they all the Ruckman we've talked big. about, it's like to everyone, all of them are like well over 200 centimetres. And back in the day, you know, Aaron Sandlins was seen as a giant and I feel like give it two, three, four years and we're just going to see giants all over the place. Well, the three rucks that were sort of uh, looked at, what there's Mitch Edwards, obviously. He's There's a few things around him, obviously. Um, Will Green and Goad, they're all tall. And I mean, Goad is 97 kilos already, which is a pretty decent size weight for, I mean, he's 206 centimetres, but yeah. 97 keg is very big. For a, for um, a he's got a Yeah, exactly. Um, he's got a, lot he's actually very fast very um 
good in the air, very strong in the air. He's uh, got a lot of upside because he moves very well. He just needs to work on endurance, and his uh, footy IQ is not the best at the moment. But his ceiling is very, very – projects very, very high. We're getting a bit more linked to him lately. I think it's if Will Green would go to Sydney, my gut feel is that North will probably look at uh, go with one of our 17-18s. Okay. So I, I, think would, uh, I think we're after a Ruckman. Yeah, well, I would, I would really hope so. Um, if <laughs> without going on a rant, on no, <laughs> no, 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 we're not bringing this up again. Um, I want to back my boy Tristan Jerry. Okay, I don't look. I, I don't it's have heaps of faith, but he. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did see that, and I wasn't very happy. Um, look, he's got a he's got a clean slate. I'm not look. I'm not going to forget what what, what my experience with Tristan Jerry has been. I'm giving him a chance. Like every player gets a chance at the start of every season, but um, he's going to have to show something early. I do want another Ruckman though so badly. So this, uh, what was the guy's name again? Sorry, you said the the new Taylor Goad. Around 17, 18 for Goad. Originally when we put Green in our original mock draft, do you think he's risen up the board maybe to the Swans at 12 or something like that now? Um, yet again, I think it's who's available at that point. Sydney has interest in him, definitely. Um, but, like, if, for example, Leek's available, I think they would go him over a uh, green. But if mm. Leek's available, 17, 18, I would trade for Leek. Um, okay. So you would sort of have these kind of – these would be the kind of conversations that the clubs would be having on the night, I guess. But Leek and- could go anywhere as high as the Giants pick, to be honest. That's the other one, which is at seven, I think it is. Mm. Give me a quick rundown on Leek again. Um, utility. Um, he is uh, played across the half back. He's played across the half forward. Um, he's very athletic, good decision maker, strong marking, um, yeah. good skills. He played for Tassie, played for allies. Um, aerially, aerials, his strength as well. I should obviously go, th- go with, um, needs to work on his endurance still, his consistency, um, strength. When you watch him, very strong mark, 187 centimeters, um, and 77 kilos, mm. um, good disposer of the ball. Um, pretty decent in contests. Uh, he's he's a he's he's been likened a lot to. Oh, he's that really classical utility. Probably plays both ends of the grounds. Um, people are trying to find a five or trying to find that kind of player that moves both sides really yeah. well. Okay, and you think yeah. So if he's available at twelve, you think the Swans uh, might take him, and then someone like a Green might drop down. If that's not the case. Green might go if, say, he gets taken. Green might go at twelve to the Swans, and then um, we could hope to slide in another ruckman there. Yeah, and like because you'll have uh, Goad will be available at our picks, um, mm. so it really does depend what um, we're thinking Sydney does at that pick. So seventeen eighteen is an interesting trade up, but I, as I said, like at that, I wouldn't want to trade up to just get Green. I think Goad projects well still, like he's just still got a lot of upside of high ceiling. I prefer green, but if you could get goad plus, you know, a, another key position forward or a key position defender um, mm. or a small forward plus one of those, you've got, you're making up that difference to me. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of, these are the questions that they ask on the night is these two players worth this one player. Okay. And that's that, that'll be the interesting ones going into the draft. I think. Yeah. Um, any change of heart for any of these guys, like the McKercher, Dersma, Murphy, Collard, Green, the original sort of picks, other than uh, Goad maybe as a hypothetical instead of Green, but you're still pretty happy with McKercher. Um, I know we said Curtin for, 
for Dersma, but it does the Dersma links sort of keep going on and on and on. Um, Murphy and all those sort of guys. No, nothing really other than that has changed on North's draft board. You reckon? Uh, no, I mean, like at the moment, I actually, as I said, I'm getting stronger and stronger senses that Dersma's moving above McKercher on our board. So mm. I, I think Dersma's. Uh, as I said I, I'd be surprised now if we don't call Dersma at three. I think we call Dersma ahead of McKercher. And I think McKercher's think so? that wow. Yeah. I think they've moved him ahead now. That's okay. just all the information coming out that I've seen or everyone that's talked about it and anything club related, they are really liking Dersma a lot. Okay. Well, we do have a few uh, questions about Dersma coming up. So we'll leave uh, the in-depth Dersma chat for then because um, just talking before we started this podcast, I can hear how excited you are about the diving oh, into yeah. some Dersma chat. So why don't we just jump straight into some uh, some questions from all the fans and then there'll be a lot of Dersma chat in there and then you can uh, gush to us about uh, about Zane. Yep, I'll take that. <laughs> um, thank you to everyone who has written into the podcast as well. Just so everyone uh, can remember, uh, Further North Podcast on Facebook, Further North Pod um, on Instagram and on X slash Twitter. So I've got all three now. I'm trying to be as active as possible. Twitter still is a little bit hard for me, but I'm a boomer. So you got to let me go. Um, thank you to everyone who's written in. I haven't been able to get all of them because there are a lot of people who now follow this thing and I love everyone's contribution. I've tried to get as many as I can, um, but I love and appreciate all your comments. So please always throw your opinions out there. Let's not start with, uh, oh, we can start with a little bit of Dersma, but this is a question. So these are all going to be thrown at you, Joel. Hopefully you're ready. This is the first time you've been put on the hot seat. So how are you feeling about getting some questions thrown at you? Are you nervous? Nah, super excited. Love the draft. So <laughs> I love these guys. So it's going to be really interesting. To <laughs> I can't tell. I can't tell. You love the draft. All right. This one is on Instagram from Rematch Athletic. Uh, and Rematch Athletic says, is McKercher a lock or could we take Dersma and Curtin? Um, I think if we're going to drop one of them, I've got the feeling now it's going to be McKercher. I think that's still very unlikely. I think Dersma and McKercher, who we locked into, we did do an interview allegedly today with Curtin again, um, but Hawthorne's also been interviewing him as well. So he'll probably get taken just behind us. I think um, my gut feel is we're pretty locked into Dersma and McKercher now. Okay. Okay. Um, and if we were going to drop one, my gut feel is we're more likely to go Dersma and uh, Curtin than we would be uh, McCurtain and Curtin. Interesting. Because, yeah, it's so crazy to I, me I think how quickly changed, all of it yeah. changed. Yeah, it just – it goes so quick, doesn't it? Because one week – McCurtain was basically like meant to be the, the the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the last two weeks it's been McCurtain, McCurtain, McCurtain. And now – you know, it's sort of slightly drifting Dersma's way. But then as we've got some Dersma questions coming up, like is it the right fit for us and all that sort of stuff? So it's wild how fast this whole draft moves. But, hey, we're here okay. for it. And this the, is why we're here yeah. talking about it. The thing I'd still raise, though, with McCurcher is he would still be the next on West Coast board by all accounts. And, um, mm. I mean, McCurcher is an incredible player. Like he's got such huge upside, I think. I yeah. really rate him extremely highly. Yeah, Okay. All right, let's get on to the next question. So there's a few questions all lumped in together here. So I'm going to ask you a few. They all are sort of on a similar line, but I wanted to be able to read out everyone's thoughts. So this one is from Jason Campbell on Twitter. 
Um, can we get anyone to bite for our picks 15, 17, and 18 in moving up and gaining another top 10 pick? Or is that dream dead and buried? This one, do you see anyone biting on 15, 17, and 18? Um, no, I think the cats were a real option, uh, but they're getting a bit more locked into caddy by all accounts. Um, I was just chatting with my mate Mick before about this actually, and he was saying about, because we're looking very closely at the Cats one and the Giants one with another one. The Giants are apparently getting linked now to trading with Adelaide, who would give them 10 and 20, I believe it is, for pick seven, which is an interesting one. I think Adelaide, or pick eight, I think it was. So that's a potential trade on the night. North, 15, 17, 18. I don't see us. The recent one is Sydney, obviously. Um, mm. And I don't see us being able to bundle up to move into that that top Six are locked, essentially. I don't see many of them moving at all because um, they're very highly rated. The next few, there's slight chance of moving if there was a really big offer, but I think everyone's pretty locked into that. So I think Sydney's the first reasonable one for us. And I think, yeah, I don't think 15, 17, 18, even if we bundled it, I don't think we're getting up to where like, the Cats were the obvious one because they had sort of mentioned they would. And uh, the Giants was the other option, but it looks like Adelaide, will probably give them a decent offer where they can take the players they want still. Mm, okay. Um, to Braden George's rising star years question. Um, we, I guess we've already sort of covered that. So who does, who do you see us picking at 15, 17, 18? I guess we're hoping for, for, for Murphy, Collard and, and Green was on our draft board uh, last week. Um, obviously with um, uh, a couple of positions, maybe to be shuffled um, with the new Ruckman and, um, you know, it depends on who goes up and down there. But I guess we've already covered that, so we won't have to worry about that yeah. one too much. But thank you for the I'll question. Just say, mm. oh, sorry, I'll just say as well there, there is a bit of a suite of plays in that area. Like, because now, so like, it's, it is very interesting how quickly it changes. As I said, like, Murphy and this guy, Will Dawson, is coming as a bit of a bolter for us. It would be a real reach for us to take him. But um, he's a real option there as a key position defender. Mm. Um, and... Will Green, Taylor Goad's really come in, but Green, if he goes earlier, and Hardiman, we've been really starting to get heavy links to, but I think he probably goes to the Saints before us. Um, but yeah. he's a halfback running guy, um, strong defender, probably good one-on-one guy, which I wouldn't mind getting. But um, if we got him, it would have to be at 15 is my gut feel. Okay. Okay. There's so much around that sort of mark then, isn't there? Mm. Cause you know, there's obviously a, a couple of Ruckman and a few utilities uh, and whatnot sort of roaming around that area. I mean, that sort of area, it seems to me like you can sort of pick up decent players in whatever position you might need. And it was put really well by you last week of, you know, if you're up in the top five or six around there, anyway, you draft on talent. And if when it drops down to the the teens and in the twenties, you probably draft on position a little bit more, and that's why you know. And and to Braden George's question here, and not the actual Braden George, fifteen, seventeen, <laughs> eighteen is such a rogue time to draft because there are still massive upsides and potentials on guys at this sort of level, but there's so many of them sort of all bundled at the same sort of talent level. Um, it makes it pretty rogue down there. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also going to be like, there'll be a few, uh, we've got the capacity there to reach on a few people. So like as I said, that's where you might see a Will Dawson get reached for where it's, you're looking at assets that you really like about him. Um, you can get in before the others, you could potentially trade back, but I don't see us doing that at that stage. Mm. Um, but you could trade back and still keep that and potentially get some more assets in the future. So pick 17, 18, if that happened, don't be 
surprised if we traded back a bit there. Um, but you're starting to look for specific assets and those keep, like you can get such a lot of good talent comes out in those 20 to 30s because you're looking at specific talent, a specific skill set. Um, and you're seeing one particular skill that you really love and you can build around that with that player. Um, so you're a bit more speculative, but you can build into that player a lot more where the player is a bit higher up between that 10 and 20 for my mind. Often they've got their skill sets, which you know that they've got and you're building into those opposed to a bit more imaginative, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do really like that we've got three picks around that area as well, just to mm-hmm. be, because I do think um, we do need to draft on position sort of specific for our team needs, um, you know, and, having a lot of picks around that area almost forces us to draft on position instead of just on talent. Of course they all have talent, but you know, I'm glad we've got, you know, a couple of picks right at the top to make sure that we do get that high potential in whatever position it is. But mm-hmm. we do have those three picks further down the ball that sort of separate those two sections of the draft. That means we can get some high potential players, but focus more on the position. So I do like how our draft is sort of, split at the moment you know and i just wanted to say at the same time with bet with uh the picks 15 the reason i would say 20 is by the time all the bids happen but uh pick 15 is going to probably be pick 20 yes. on the actual night yeah sorry they're the guys who are um father son or academy they're not in the draft board though. So I guess it, yeah, it does drop correct, down yeah. and the number is lower, but it doesn't mean we're taking anyone we didn't have on the board anyway. So. Oh, thousand percent. Yeah. So now we're going to jump into some questions uh, about pick one and some trades. This is always a dark rabbit hole to go down, but Hey, we're here for it. Yes, it so is. <laughs> Ryan Hawkins on Twitter, whose handle is pretty good. He's at ward is the law, which is fantastic. Uh, he says, what does Joel think about the supposed rumors of us giving up pick 2, 15, 18, and future first for Reed and pick 23? And there's one more question about pick number one that I've put in here, so we'll lump them to uh, the, the two together. Bryden underscore Isles on Instagram, what's your final trade offer to get pick one if there even is one? So what is your final offer for it, and would it be – pick two, 15, 18, and a future first round pick for Harley Reid and pick 23. Uh, I have seen that rumor flying around. I had I didn't take too much into it because I think uh, it's well overs. Um, a future first for us is pr- most likely top five. It's very midfield heavy next year. Um, that's pretty, pretty well reported at the moment. Um, I, I wouldn't be doing that trade. I think you're giving up too many assets at that point. Um, what my final, what I think North's final offer would be is probably two, fifth, or maybe three, 15, 18. Um, that being said, two, three, it wouldn't make a huge difference because both clubs will know what they want from those picks. Um, it sounds a bit more, it's a bit more on the books than it is on what it actually means to the clubs. Uh, that's probably my, what I would offer. There is a slight part of me that wants to go pick two in a future first. Um, and maybe trading 18 and 21. Um, so they would end up with our, so we would end up with pick one. They would end up with this draft two and uh, what's it called? 18. 18. And yep, 18. And we would end up with their 
21 and we would they would have our first round next year which is probably top five mm. there's a slight there's a slight part of me that would love that because the only reason i say that read i rate exceptionally highly like i love all the players in this area but Reed, there is just there's something very special about him as a player, and he'll mm. do a couple of things for us. Um, if we had him and Dersma together, you've got two very strong high half marking and half forwards um, that can switch and hopefully spend time through the middle and move back. Um, and this also the marketing aspect of it for the club. Uh, I agree like, with that massively with yeah. Harley Reed. Yeah, he'll bring automatic eyes to the club, like. So many people I've talked with will just go and like, oh, I'll go level two if we get Reed. Like it'll be, uh, you know, they just want, because everyone knows about him. They've heard about him for a few years. Um, there's that automatic buy-in. You'll put it, they'll print him on all the uh, merch cards and all that. There's that aspect, mm. which is a non-tangible, but how much do you give up for that is the question. My, as I said, what I think our final offer would be, would be that the uh, 3, 15, 18. I wouldn't hate it if we gave away our future first, which yeah. is a lot to give, but I wouldn't hate that idea. If we, yeah. Do you think it has to be four first round picks to be getting that though? Like I feel like for, to the Eagles, giving them two eighteen and our future first should be plenty to get that over the line personally. Um, but clearly they don't see it that way because they're wanting more than that. But at the at the end of the day, if we gave them two eighteen in our future first, I would do that for Harley Reid. That would be my final yeah. offer personally. I I, I wouldn't. No, I said it's one that I it, they would be winning the deal. Um, as in, like they'll be getting a future five, like most likely a top five. I think best case scenario next year. Um, my gut feels we finished best case scenario. We end up with eight wins, um, mm. which would be over doubling our wins. But I think there's good reason to think that we could get there, but uh, which would probably give us around pick five or six. So yes. they would have pick two, pick six and pick 15 odd or pick 18 odd. Sorry. And we would have, you know, the pick one this year. And it's a massive, massive price to pay, but there's more elements to like, he's an incredible talent. But there's also aspects of uh, marketing, which I completely understand. And it's also the yeah. first year of the Alan Aylett uh, medal for the number one pick, which oh, is uh, yeah. happening. So obviously there's getting the first number one pick with that medal would also be something special for the North Club. Yeah, true. I completely forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's something you could really get around. Um, it would be overs and I could understand why people would hate that. Um I think if you're going to do it for anyone and you're going to do it any year, this is the year. This is the year. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I completely understand the marketing perspective of it as well. Like a player like Dacos has just taken the league by mm. storm and is he a great player? Of course, but he's not like, I'm a barber mate. People come in and ask for Nick Dacos's haircut all the time. Yeah. They're, they're just like Dustin Martin did years ago for Richmond. Dacos is going to bring even more. Every kid's going to want to support the pies because they know Dacos. If you're seven years old, you know, Nick Dacos, you knew Dustin Martin a few years ago. Everyone's going to yeah. know Harley Reid. So I, I think paying overs is normal because we're the ones that want that pick. They don't need to give that pick for us. And of course we're going to do it with a strong draft hand. You know, we could maybe give up two picks this year for one. And then we, we still take four 
picks in the top 50 or 16 or 17, sorry. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we give up next year's, but do we, we've kind of got the talent. I feel like next year we'd probably want to getting some experience or, you know, developing our own players. Think of the crop of young guys we've got. So look, it's all hypothetical, but I think, yeah, personally my final yeah. offer, which I think is pretty fair is two eighteen and next year's first. Yeah. And I'm, it's one as like, we're, on numbers, you lose out on that, but there's just, there's a real opportunity for something really special there. Yeah. And, you know, it's at some stage you take a big risk. Um, I think this is the situation where you take a big risk. Like if we had number one pick, there'd be zero chances of us moving it. Um, like when we had that short period for that one week where we had the number one pick, there was zero chance of like, as soon as everyone's like, oh, North's taking Reed, there is wiggle room here and there is capacity to get him to stay in Melbourne. And I think if he delivers on, or not even if he delivers, like the market in the first year, like membership sales were sore with him on our cards. Absolutely. And what he can deliver on the field with, if I said, if we ended up with him and Dersma, like. It's bums on seats, half, isn't it? Him, Dersma, Taron Thomas, yeah. and uh, what do you call it? Uh, Zerha off those half forward flanks. Paul Curtis, those guys, like that rotation through the middle slash forward half would be scary good. Scary. Mm. Scary good. Oh, like you're selling capacity. me a dream, mate. Come on. You're selling me a dream. Give him all our picks. I want him now. <laughs> take it. <laughs> take it. Just take everything. Uh, okay. Shut up and take my picks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, Harley John Harbour on Facebook says, will we recruit a mature 25 plus with one of our later picks? And if so, who? So I guess he's asking, with one of the later picks in the draft, is there anyone who's maybe slightly more mature that you'd be looking at or you think we stick with 18-year-olds? Uh, there's this small forward from Werribee, uh, Manor, which we've been linked to a little bit. I think that's more likely a rookie draft. Um, we've got mm. a bit more of a connection with them now since we've had uh, Barlow, isn't it? The uh, yep. coach from Werribee come across to us. Um, there's a bit more of a link of potentially getting someone like him across. Uh, I, I think he was mid twenties. I can't remember his exact age, but yeah. he's, he had an exceptional final series and he's an exceptional player. He had behavioral issues. I think he was Port Adelaide listed for a while, but yeah. obviously, obviously uh, he's well known and he's matured a bit as he's gotten older. Um, other clubs will probably overlook him. There's a slight few people that are connected to him as well. Um, but I think we'd be more likely to take him in the rookie. There's a few players that could slip a bit later. Um, that's probably something to touch on as well is how many will take this draft. Um, we've got five to six spots. I think we've been room to take the five to six picks at the moment. So, mm. Well, I think uh, Sonia came out and made a statement and said we expect to take five picks in this draft. So do we have yeah. six spots to fill? So maybe they're, they're leaving one spot open for a rookie or something like that? Uh, we've or got a couple Tanner of rookie return, picks. Maybe? Yeah. Oh, there's always room for a more turner. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh, no. um so, yeah I, I think her coming out and saying that i think was a bit uh like people have sort of misread pretty so i think she was saying because we have the five first round picks and she's very excited about that which is very good and mm. she said i think what was the comment something about bring us another uh she's all oh, involved yes yeah four. do what we did last year yeah so like i mean we're not trading out of two or three. There was originally a couple of rumors that we might move when we were looking at a bit deeper on taking Dersma of moving him potentially for six and 11 um, with Melbourne. Uh, I think that's dead in the water now. I think we're very happy with who we've got at those picks. Um, but 
yeah, I think two, three will end up with, or one and three will end up with. And then mm. I think 15, 17, 18 are up for movement, depending on what we do. Okay. All right. Um, James Duke says, is there a possibility that we trade pick three to Melbourne for their two first rounders and get caddy? No. <laughs> no. Not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. There, there was, as I said, like that was the rumor. There was six and 11 that they've got. Um, we were, there was strong rumors of that because potentially we could have moved back and taken Curtin at Melbourne's pick. Um, and then 11, James Leake would likely be available. Caddy's probably very heavily linked to Geelong now. So he's going before there. If you've got that Melbourne pick, you're probably looking at similar ones to the Sydney one that I was talking about. You'd be hoping that Leake slides or maybe a Wilson slides a little bit to there. But I don't think that they'll necessarily be available there. Okay. Um, Bailey Tyson also on Facebook says, would you do the rumored deal for picks three and 17 for Melbourne's six and 11? Similar question before I personally uh, would and grab curtain at six, not sold on Dersma. Um, curtain's probably going to Hawthorne now. It's my gut feel. That's the call I would make now. Hawthorne's Don't Hawthorne a have a, a, a father, son key yeah, defender as Will. well. Will McCabe is coming in. He'll be, we'll probably bid on him at 15 at the moment, the way it's looking. Mm. Um, Do you think they take two key defenders? Curtin is versatile um, and slightly different style. And he's probably too good. Like there's a chance he could slide. And that would be the only reason would be because they've got McCabe later. You just couldn't leave that talent on the table though. That's the big thing. He's 197 centimeters tall. He's played time in the middle. He's an elite kick of the ball. Um, He's got a we lot should of just draft him and make him a ruckman. And it's like, <laughs> you know, 197 centimeters. He's a teenager. He's going to get to 200 centimeters, you'd think. Chuck him in the ruck. And then when that ball hits the ground, we got four midfielders in there. Come on, Clarko. Get with it, mate. <laughs> Clarko has a very good history of uh, drafting, to, uh, drafting surprises. Like the famous one, obviously, was uh, the Delidio draft, where Delidio went number one and Hawthorne, by all money, was going tambling at two. And then three was going to be Griffin. And then it was going to be who takes uh, Roughhead and who takes Franklin. Mm. But uh, knowing what he wanted and knowing that the doggies would probably go Roughhead, he picked Roughhead, which then obviously started to make all the... Through a spanner. Through a spanner. The doggies went, um, I think that was when they went Griffin, Ryan Griffin. Griffin And And then four was Tambling, which Richmond was ecstatic to get at the time. And then five (laughs) went Franklin. So Roughhead, Franklin... Chucked a big spanner. It was a big surprise to everyone, but it was a uh, oh, great draft got move. Oh, this time? Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's the always drama. room for these things to happen. Yeah, I know. I hope it's a spy. I hope it's spicy for the content, but I hope it's not because I'll be upset and angry and <laughs> not know what's going on. But Clarko's at the wheel, so everything's fine. Yeah. Trust the Clarko. All right. Um, Let's touch on Dersma then because you've – I think we've got a few more questions. No, you know what? Let's touch on Dersma now. I'm going to read out a few questions about Dersma here. Um, obviously, Bailey said at the end he's not sold on Dersma. I'll just read you a couple more out here and let's have some Dersma chat. So Noah Wiggins says, not a question, but I feel as though people get stuck on the medium forward status of Dersma and lump him in with everyone else. This kid is beyond special – and would be a walk-up start in almost any team, uh, let alone North. People seem to forget that he is only two to three centimeters shorter than Wayne Carey, and he's still growing. And the last question 
to do with Dersma here is Michael Daly on Twitter slash X. Can Dersma play as a center half forward? So there's a few questions in there. Um, obviously, Bailey's not sold on Dersma. Noah's saying, uh, let's not put him in the medium forward bracket. He's only two to three centimeters shorter than Carey. And uh, Michael Daly is saying, can he play as a centre-half forward? So give us your opinion on all of that and um, sell everybody who's listening to this podcast on Dersma and why is he the pick we need to take? Um, Dersma, I have spent a lot of time watching recently because I've been – it's one that when I was first watching, he gets a lot of goals. His back half of the year was absolutely incredible. Um, and I didn't quite see it at the start. The more and more I've watched, and I've spent a lot of time watching, as I said, this particularly these last few weeks, um, he is exceptionally clean with his hands. When he goes through packs, he'll pick up the ball one grab and he'll move through. He makes the right decisions extremely often. He knows how to hit the scoreboard. He, as I said, like his back end, he was kicking over three goals a game at the back end of the year, which is mm. not something that happens that often. He's 189 centimeters. I do. Center half forward's too big for him, but a high half forward slash what they'll want him to do eventually is have more midfield minutes. The player comp that, as one of my good mates, Mick, he was saying, and I actually really agree with this, it's an old one, was James Hurd. James Hurd, when he first came in, tall, um, extremely strong overhead, very strong mark, and spent a little bit of time in the middle and eventually developed more and more midfield time. Uh, There's a lot of traits and qualities that I see that are very similar to early herd. Um, not saying that he becomes that player, mm. but you can see those assets that are therefore um or to say he is an exceptional player. He's going to I don't think he comes in immediately because I did see him at Casey. He didn't look out of place at Casey, but um he didn't put on like I think he ended up with a few lovely marks again. Like his hands are just so clean when he's marking. Um and I think he had a few nice lead-up kicks as well that he hit. Um, I think he ended up with like 15 disposals. But And considering, you know, these guys also get chucked into these matches without being a big part of the game plan. Yeah, for um, sure. Which is also to take into note. Um, I think he'll come in and play early for us, but not like – I don't think he'll be for the first six, seven weeks. I think it'll take him a little while to get in, is my gut feel. But he is elite in what he does, and his upside is exceptionally high. If he develops a little bit more of an engine and a little bit more midfield craft – um, at his size. And if the other thing that would be very exciting is yes, he's the youngest Ed is the youngest end that you can be to get drafted. So he's like where most of these guys have been 18 for a while. I think he's the shorter end of that. Mm. Um, if he grew four centimeters over, if he grew four centimeters over summer, uh, he, or four centimeters in the next, you know, uh, 12 months, 18 months, which isn't out of the question. Um, you could be potentially looking at that high half, that high center half and that higher position. It's He's got a huge upside. Watch some of his uh, highlight reels now. They're, as I said, Vic Country versus Vic Metro is one of, was the best performance of the tournament, in my opinion, in the champs. And what he did there was just, you see everything that he does in one game. It's extremely exciting to watch. Um, yeah, he'll be a massive asset for our side. And if you can put him next to, you know, Zerhar on one side and, with these other guys, we mean the other thing to take note of, I guess, is our top goal scorer, Larky, got 70. Um, our next highest was Stevenson with 20-something. Mm. Um, so we've got this mass, like, 
we've got a lot of mi- uh, we've got a lot of those forwards that we're happy with, but there's not enough kicking goals. And Dersma hits the scoreboard a lot. Yeah. So, I think I mean, that's I, one of the biggest yeah, things to excited. sell it for me as well, because, you know, I, I was going to ask you a couple more questions here. And one of them was going to be, you know, there's a lot of chat about this medium forward thing. Um, just like the question said before, taking a Dersma, does that worry you to displace someone like an Eddie Ford, a Paul Curtis, a Steve-O, a Zerha, you know, I know Cooper Harvey hasn't got many minutes, but like that's a, a Curtis Taylor being lower down the order for us. But mainly, I guess, talking about a Zerha, uh, about a Curtis, about a Ford and a Stevenson, they're probably the ones that you'd want to be in and around the team. This guy, I would, and, and Brandon George, let's throw him in there as well. Mm. It, it, does it worry you at all about the position or you think this guy has the most potential and you just can't pass up on a guy like that. Cause I completely agree with you about the goal scoring with Stevenson being a second highest goal scorer, who I did think had a good year. And I think he'll get so much better mm. once he's in a slightly better side. Can we trust Zerha? Can you trust Paul Curtis to have a more consistent season? Is Eddie Ford going to keep growing? Um, you know, I, to, to bring this whole statement I'm making all back around does it worry you drafting uh, Zane Dersman when we do have guys in those positions already, or you think he's the one that's going to be able to get us the goals and fill that void of that second goal scorer who can get 40 plus as well? Yeah, I'm probably more of that opinion. And I mean, if the worst thing that happens is he is so talented that he gets one of those guys out of our team, that's not the worst outcome for our team. Like we've improved our list. Um, and there is a, there is a big gaping void in our forward line where we've got Larky with the 70 had a fantastic season and there hasn't been anyone that's kicking that next bag. I mean, obviously there was a lot of injuries for Zoha this year. Um, Sleeve was well. out. Yeah. Common got injured. CCJ didn't quite kick and deliver. Um, I mean, Curtis, you're starting to see a bit more forward, just seeing more, but like what Dersma offers is also something that like, I don't think we've got outside of Larky this and, on his day ball, um, we don't have those strong lead up markers that just hit like that, are that elite going forward and taking those marks. Mm. Like that's when you watch Dersma's gameplay so often, he just, his forward craft is brilliant. He knows to lead to the right places. He gets himself free and he takes marks. He can mark it at the highest point um, above his head and he can get hit up on the lead so quickly because he's just so fast, fast off that break and just knows where to lead leading patterns. He'll, he'll be a really good asset. And the other way that I tend to assess these things is if we let him pass, is he going to slide? Um, zero chance he gets past Hawthorne. Yeah, absolutely. Zero chance. Hawthorne would take him within a heartbeat. Um, doggies would take him immediately, but mm. there's zero chance of him get to the dogs. And I, I said, in reality, there's zero chance of him get to Hawthorne. He's not getting past us. And yeah. he's he offers something that is exceptional at 189, the way he marks, the way he can kick goals. Um, I said, I've come full circle on this man. So come back <laughs> to him. He's uh, he's the shining future. And if we had, I said, I was saying with him and Reed together, that would be him, Reed, Taron as those half forwards and Sheasel swapping and moving around. Yeah. We could have such, if you had those four together, that is extremely dangerous for throw, throw a Braden George. I think Braden George, Paul, oh, Braden like George, Paul yeah. Curtis is special. I think he, Paul Curtis has a massive ceiling. I mm. know he was a little bit more inconsistent last year, but I we've seen what he can do. And, and a Stevenson as well, and an Eddie Ford. I think they're all yeah. 
you know, should I, I want them to get opportunities next year as for like a Curtis Taylor or somebody like that, or a Cooper Harvey, I maybe don't mm-hmm. see them getting spots next year in the team. But one of the things you said before was completely true where, you know, we all love it. Like every North fan loves Eddie Ford so much. And I do as well. And I hope he gets so much opportunity next year. But if we have someone who's better than him and replaces him in the team, that's also not a bad thing. As much as we don't like seeing Eddie Ford not mm-hmm. be in the the senior side, the only reason he would be out is because there are great players taking his spot. And every other team has that. We can't just pick our 22 favorites and hope they all turn to stars. So I do agree yeah, with totally that. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, the other question I was going to ask, last one on Dersma before we go to another question. Obviously, his brother is now at the Bombers. I've mm. talked to a lot of people at the barbershop who don't rate his brother and think he's in. He's not his brother. <laughs> I yeah, was going to say, what, compared to his brother, like what, what do you see that he had that uh, Zane has over his brother? Um, well, Zane's a much better mark. Like you see... Oh gosh, that's Zane, Xavier, Yasmin, and Willem is also the uh, younger one that's coming through the system. So they're X, Y, Z, W. They're going to be like the solids um, soon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the thing that, like, his brother is a winger, goes up forward, and he obviously can take the marks and kick goals. He's not really as contested. Um, I don't think he, like, when he marks, he's a chest mark. He doesn't mark it out in front with his hands extended. Doesn't have the same clean pickup. Like, Zane's, like, I, I'm not a huge fan of his brother um, as yep. a player. Um, like you can see what assets he's got, but he tends to be one way for me. He doesn't tackle hard and he doesn't, he's a one, he's a downhill skier, as I'd put it. Um, Zane's a much stronger tackler, um, much better in contest and much better mark, um, much cleaner hands. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's better, sadly, for Zane. Mm. He's better in every way. So, yeah, like, no, of course. Yeah. I think that's, that's the last point to sell some people. Everyone I've chatted to is who questions, Dersma, I think they've they're getting his brother um yeah. on their mind and they're not breaking out of that box. So I agree with you completely, but I just wanted you to be able to really sell it to the people because I think that's where they get stuck. Yeah. Oh, as I said, like Xavier is a good player. Like he kicks goals. And you know, there was a stage when it was the Port Adelaide's, you know, future midfield was uh those three, what was it? It was uh oh, what's his name? Butters uh and uh, Dersmer and the other guy. I can't remember his name now. Oh, He's very good though. Uh, the board, the Pal Pepper? No, no, no. The uh, other small, but there were the three young guys. They so were all under uh, 22 and they were. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, so they're all coming through. Rosie, that's it. Sorry. Um, yes. They're all coming. Yeah. They're all coming through at the same time and they're all the future. But then uh, Dersmer had a fair few injuries, um, got slowed down a little bit. Um, and obviously with us, then wanting to trade with us and they like loyalty was a bit of a question mark, but the only reason he left, Dersma left, was because uh, Essendon, um, they needed to get the uh, Essendon backman again. What's his name? Whatever his name was. Zach, uh, Zach Thatcher. That's yeah. it. But yeah, right. uh, I mean, I, I, Zane is Zane is very, something to get very excited about. He's got massive upside and where he could be in the future or where his ceiling is, is elite AFL. Okay. Well, you've sold me, mate. And if that doesn't sell everyone else listening to this, I don't know what we will. So if uh, Zane Dersma comes in and he's the most loved North Melbourne player um, ever in existence, I think he can thank you and you alone. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. You're I'll, I'll be the Zane. I'll be the Zane cheese squad for, for Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go to some more questions. Enough Dersma chat. We've had so much Dersma chat. Okay. 
Uh, Amar16 on Instagram says, well, this is for me, actually. Can you do a draft day live stream? Uh, I'll reveal now my plan. Um, Hopefully, a couple of the closest to a flag guys will be coming over to my place and we're going to record a podcast while watching the draft. So that should be some fantastic content because we're either going to be incredibly happy and you can all celebrate with us or we're going to be incredibly angry and that's going to be funny for everybody to listen to. So um, I was thinking about doing a live stream. Didn't really come to uh, maybe next year, maybe that once I get that stuff up and running, which I would like to, maybe I can watch some games on a live stream or something like that. But um, not this year, but we are going to do uh, record a podcast while watching it live. So hopefully that can uh, suffice. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if I'm not good enough, guys. Um, <laughs> another question. Kevin underscore Patrick underscore Tommen on Instagram. Thoughts on McKercher and Dersma not following a footy team. Seems bad vibes. Now, I haven't heard this before. Did they say that they don't follow a team in particular in the, in an interview they did? I didn't really take much into that. But that being said, a lot of the players don't really like to admit too much to following I was different say, teams. I feel like they just say that because they don't care whether or they don't mind where they go and they don't want to make that a thing. I think like uh, there was one that I heard with Nate Caddy in an interview and he was talking about how – uh, he has a soft spot for North because um, he spent a bit of time like at the club apparently at one stage, mm. um, but like he he follows players more than he follows uh, teams. So I think once you're playing at this level and you're often interacting with them at higher levels, like you would get to know all the players of the different clubs that you're at. Like I think Riley Sanders spent a lot of time at Collingwood in one of the uh, preseason parts, so we knew a few of the Collingwood players and had a bit of a soft spot for them. Yeah. Um, but doesn't necessarily grow up following them. But once you get to know people as individuals, I guess and that as players, you are, you know, it's a bit more of a business job, a bit more of a business at that point. Yeah. I wouldn't be taking it to, uh, I wouldn't be worrying yeah. about the bad vibes there at all, at all. You know, wouldn't you be more worried that if someone, we, we drafted someone whose favorite team was like <laughs> Essendon and they, they hated North Melbourne growing up, like, you know, what if I was a really good football player? I hated Adelaide growing up. They were my least favorite team after what the Wayne Carey thing and all that sort oh. of stuff. And I just hated them. I don't know why I just did, but, if I was really talented football and got drafted there, would I want everyone to hate me because of that? Probably not. Um, you know, the the other example I do have is uh, Aaron Mullet. I uh, cut oh, his hair at the barbershop sometimes, and um, he's a he's a he's a great guy. I love him when he comes in, and he I think he said he grew up following Collingwood and came to North Melbourne. Obviously, went to Carlton for a year, and you know, clearly you can grow up supporting whoever. Um, he supports North Melbourne now is basically my point. Like he grew up following Collingwood his whole life, played for North. And then once you play for a club, you are completely uh, indebted to that club for a long time. If you have the memories there or they give you the chance or, or whatnot. So I wouldn't be too stressed about uh, if people support teams, don't support teams. Um, let's not read into too much voodoo, you know? Yeah. Um, but I did tell Aaron Mullet that, um, I'm going to make my all-time North Melbourne 22, and he's a guaranteed halfback starter. <laughs> David King, sorry, mate. Jess Sinclair, out you go. Aaron Mullet's in the building. So, bit biased. I did like Aaron Mullet. Uh, I did like him a lot, actually, Fishy. He was uh, very, very good. Yeah, I agree. I liked him. But, yeah. look, he's only 31 now. We could give him a contract. I think Collingwood offered a second-round pick for him, actually, that one before, and we passed it. Absolutely. First round or nothing for... For the mullet? For the, for the fishy. <laughs> Absolutely. 
um, Brock dot underscore Childs on Instagram. Should we trade up to Geelong's pick and take O'Sullivan? Uh, they won't trade it now, I don't think. Uh, but if we could, I would a thousand percent do that. Mm. Really quickly, what would you give up for? Was it pick nine they've got? Um, um, they've got uh, pick eight. Eight. Um, uh, what would you give up for it? Um, it's hard to know because they won't. I don't think they'll take anything for it now. I think they're pretty locked into getting caddy. Um, but if it would, I mean, 15, 17, I'd easily give up. I probably wouldn't give up 15, 17, 18, but 15, 17, you would offer. Cats would say no. Um, mm. I'm guessing Adelaide Adelaide would be in a better position to offer a better one than us probably, but it sounds like they're going up to uh, Giants pick, which is ahead of that. So Fair enough. Um, and we have another question from Brock. Um, what, uh, won't Ollie Murphy be gone by pick 15? Don't see any other key defensive options. We have talked about a few more, but do you want to just uh, say where you think he'll roughly go and then just give us a couple of options for Brock there? Um, yeah, I think there's a he start he's slid a he's starting to slide a lot since the combine. It's one of the cases where the combine's done him a little bit dirty. Um, mm. He didn't have it a good vertical jump, and his 20 meter sprint is slow, um, which is when you're a key position defender, you obviously you know want to stop the lead up, which is going to be a concern for him long term. Um, I think he probably slides down to us now. I think that's becoming a bit more likely. Um, there's a slight mm. chance Saints take him. I don't think Sydney does. Um, so I think Saints would be the one that might take me. He's a former Saints supporter. Um, or not a former. He's a Saints supporter currently. Um, <laughs> for now, mate. Will, Wait till he gets to know his colours. <laughs> Will Dawson's the obvious other link, link at the moment. Um, he's more athletic, uh, similar size. Uh, doesn't seem to have the runs on the board that he does, though. Um, mm. Took a while to settle on a position. He played a bit forward, but obviously moved back a bit more, and that's probably where he'll finish up. Mm. Okay. Um, another question from Bryden Isles. Which North legends are you using to welcome this year's crop on draft night? Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> the, who's going to present the jumpers and who, I mean, there, there's a part of me that will burst with happiness. If uh, I saw, Oh, who would it be? Adam Simpson for uh, <laughs> West coast coach handing number seven, North Melbourne jumper to, <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, to, Harley Reader. Harley Reader. One, one, one. <laughs> number one. That Fantastic. would give me a lot of joy. That would bring me joy. Um, Brad Scott comes oh. out and a former coach and gives, <laughs> gives oh, someone God. his number. Oh, I mean, you could go, you could go the obvious ones of Zeeble and Cunnington for seven and 10 for the first two picks. But mm. uh, a bit too obvious. Ant Stevens, Anthony Stevens could give 10 to someone would be awesome. That is true. You could uh, you could get Ryan Clark back from the Swans. He could uh, hand one out. Oh. Um, get Goldstein to come and do it. He he hasn't played for Eston oh, yet. Mackay, Mackay. <laughs> uh, um, oh god! Who would I actually want to see? Like I don't know. You know who I'd love to see? Shannon Grant. Bring oh. Shannon Grant out. I know. I look. I know. It kind of has to be the the numbers of the old players. Who really cares? Just as a legend to come Jager back. I love Shannon Grant, and I. Would love to see him come out and do it. Um, I know Corey yeah. McKernan still just froths North Melbourne, um, so it'd be cool to see him do it. But, hey, why don't we get Wayne Carey back and uh, he oh. can present a jumper with Glen Archer and Steve-O yeah. on the stage as well. Who's 18 at the moment for us, actually? Ooh. But, oh, great question. Was it? I remember Atley was last one that I remember. Yeah, I, Atley instantly came to my mind. I think I'm going to feel dirty not knowing this. 
I'm going to, I'm going to look it up now. I'm going to get you to uh, answer this next question. And while you're answering it, yeah. I'm going to look up the number. Um, the next question is, is McKercher a lock or could we take Dersmer and Curtin? I guess we have already um, sort of done this question. So um, it's a good question, we, but yeah, yeah. McKercher's probably, uh, McKercher for me is more, uh, is a higher end lock talent. Curtin, we have interviewed Curtin again though. There is a, uh, if anyone's going to pull funny buggers on it, it'll be uh, it'll be uh, Clarko on this one. To be honest, I think there's yeah, that's one move that if it's Dersmore will be locked in. I'm thinking now, and I think McCurch is the movable one. Oh no, Marnie's going to hate me. Oh, it's Greenwood. Oh, it's Hugh Greenwood. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> maybe you can hand the jumper over to someone. <laughs> Marnie, if you're listening to this, I am. I'm so sorry. And me and Marnie uh, caught up on the weekend to discuss some future pod things. And she, of course, slipped in some Hugh Greenwood and Jasper Pittard chat. And, <laughs> and oh, oh, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, she's going to absolutely roast me. Uh, all right. With, with, sorry, Marnie. Oh, but, oh, sorry, Hugh. <laughs> oh, Hugh's fine. Hugh's, Hugh's chill. My, my, Marnie's more passionate about Hugh than Hugh is about Hugh. So, oh dear. Okay. Well, look, if I don't, if, if I don't do a podcast next week, guys, and, uh, you know, I have gone without a trace, you know, Marnie's had an absolute spray at me. Good reason. I'm so sorry, Marnie. All right. Last few questions here, David Little on Facebook. And here's a good question actually about the old curveball that Clarko likes to throw. David says, is there a potential curveball in the makings in regards to picks slash players? Seems like all reporting is McKercher and Dersma with two and three. We will be surprised as we are a couple of years ago when uh, we, we, will we be surprised? Sorry, will we be surprised as we were a couple of years ago when the expectation was McDonald, then we took Phillips? Uh, good question. Very good question. Uh, if there is room to move there, I think, Curtin's the only one that's really in our calculations. There is always going to be connections to Sanders, but Sanders for mind, as I said last one, was to like he's exactly what we've got. And I don't see him having a massive ceiling. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like he's really in that ballpark at all, does it? No, it doesn't. And he's like, there's nothing against his gameplay. He's done nothing no. but proven that he is. And the other one is Watson. Um, I think North does like Watson a lot, but at that pick, you'd be reaching significantly. I think, I think you'd be reaching significantly at that point. Um, so there is always the room for the curveball. Curtin would be the interesting one. Um, as a lot of the draft pundits are saying at the moment, the Curtin pick, whoever picks Curtin is shaping the draft. Um, mm. He could go to North. That's not out of the realms. I think that's a possibility. Um, he could go to Hawthorne. They've started to do some real due diligence He'll get past, if he was there, he'll get past dogs because they've got way too many tools. Um, they've just got too much talent and tools. And then uh, Melbourne would be next, and there's slight chance he could get past them. Um, but that's not talent-based again. like there's, it's, it's a very interesting position to be in the draft for him. But he's going to be the draft shaper in that top end. Mm. Yeah, that would be wild. Um, and I guess the biggest domino of all, which it does seem like it won't happen at all, is what if West Coast did really want the guy mm. from Western Australia still? Like a, that hasn't been talked about for a long time, and I think it's very, very unlikely. But 
you know, once again, that that could sh- absolutely shape the draft. What what as a hypothetical? What if they did take Curtin and all of a sudden we've got Reed on the table and it's like well you got Derzman McKercher? What happens? Not that I think that'll happen, but yeah. just some crazy hypotheticals to throw out. Um, but as you said before, Clarko is the curveball king. Yeah. Uh, if in that situation, I think North go Reed Derzman. Like if West Coast traded back with us, um, McKercher's all the words that's coming out. If they took Curtin. Still wouldn't surprise me. That's because like Curtin's not one that is a shock at that point because he's talented enough to be there. Um, but yeah, I think at that stage it would be the one that would shock me is if they took Dersma, um, just because it doesn't seem they've got any links to him. But I think Dersma Reed for us, as I said, Dersma Reed, Taron, and uh, a few of those guys going forward would just be mm. extremely dangerous. And uh, she's off that half forward line would just be a great pairing of players. A great group yeah. of players. Absolutely. So, yeah, look, I hope there's some curveballs on the night. I hope there's curveballs for content, but not for my, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my blood levels yeah. there. I think, uh, you know, the the cholesterol would be up. The blood pressure would be up um, while also thinning at the same time. So I could uh, fully see myself passing out on that night. But, hey, like I have the uh, – the other lads there to revive me and perform <laughs> resuscitation if needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two more. So Brent Faulkner on X slash Twitter. As much as I think we should be taking McKercher, my jury is out on him sticking around once Tazzy come into the competition. He says he will commit to the club that picks him in the draft, but Jason Horn Francis also said this too. Now we did talk a little bit about this, this sort of thing, not this specific thing, last week with players and homegrown, um, you know, the go-home factor, sorry. And, you know, there is a comment that someone has replied to this, and I know Twitter is a place of much beef, but um, Loyal Kanga un- under the, his this comment here says, Horn Francis is a rare breed. In three years, if McCurchie is a freak and we are going well, he stays. If we're not going well, he might leave um, and Tazzy pay overs, which I do think is kind of true, but are you at all worried about McKercher being from Tassie or, you know, um, Goad the Ruckman being from South Australia? Is, is this really worrying you with with any of these guys? Maybe anyone but Western Australia? Uh, not really. I mean, like, it is a very reasonable question to raise and think about. I mean, McKercher, for the most part, seems like from all the interviews I've seen, like you can only take them on their judgment and their word from what you can see. Um Everything seems like he's very happy to come out. He plays a lot of games over here. He spends a lot of time in Melbourne already. Um, often those, I mean, particularly Tassie kids when they come over, like yourself, uh, yep. <laughs> they get appreciated in the culture. They like the, uh, you know, if you're a footy fan as well, it's the footy centre. Um, and it's not like it's a mile away from home. I think Tassie, if he's an absolute A-grade superstar, which isn't the worst thing that happens to us, um, they'll go really hard at him, which would make sense. Mm. Uh, but that being said, we're you know, probably not in a horrendous position if he's an absolute superstar. And I'd prefer to have that option of uh, moving a superstar than trying to find one. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And I guess the thing I'll add to that, being from Tasmania and moving up here, Tassie kids don't grow up wanting to play for Tasmania because there there wasn't a Tasmanian team. This uh, Colby hasn't grown up being like, look at this team, my local team, my, my team I followed, I can play for them. That's never, that was never a thing for me. This I support North Melbourne. Very obviously I support North Melbourne, but 
you know, I didn't grow up with a football team in my state and that uh, the pathway to the AFL for kids down there has been very, very limited as in, you know, there's really only the state league down there, but no one really watches the state league. Um, kids aren't going to the state league. And, you know, I, I was quite good at football when I was younger. I would have made the league except for that knee injury, obviously, but um, <laughs> I never thought of a pathway to the AFL. No, no one in the teams I played for thought of an AFL pathway. No one at my school that I went to was thinking of an AFL pathway down there because it was so unobtainable you know, only the best of the best make it um, through that Tassie system because it was so void. So the one thing I'd say for Tassie in particular is kids don't grow up having a football team there to go back to. So you don't have an emotional connection. I highly, highly doubt anyone is going to have an emotional connection to Tassie when it comes in the league, especially Tasmanian players. This team hasn't been around. There's no history. They haven't grown up with it. The go home factor for Tasmania isn't there. I'm, I, and I love Tasmania so much. I really, really do. But you know, it's it's not there. And you haven't got that sentimental value like you would growing up being a Power fan, being a Crows fan, being a Sydney fan, a Brisbane fan, someone like that. You know, if someone's born on the Gold Coast, you know, they're not in ten years time going to be like, man, I really want to go back and play for the Gold Coast, <laughs> are they? They're not. That's just a stupid no. thought. So yeah. it's like. It's the same with Tasmania. Does that make sense? Like there's no emotional attachment to a team down there for these kids growing up because it doesn't exist. So I wouldn't be worried about anyone from Tasmania, um, you know, wanting to go back there. Maybe they'll get some for the family, but once again, it's an hour flight. You know, I loved coming up to Melbourne. Everyone from Tasmania goes to Melbourne all the time. This is the holiday destination for Tasmanians. So I really think it's a, it's a non-factor, especially from, Tasmania. So love you, Tassie. If no- Don't want to talk any uh, trash about you, but yeah, that's, that's what I feel anyway. Yeah. An interesting point of note for that as well is that West coast is heavily looking at him. So, and West coast is further away. So if they've done, they're doing due diligence, they're doing due diligence on him. Um, they expect that if he went there, he would stay. So, I mean, yeah. I don't think it would be a huge I think every you know, Tassie kid sort of has half an eye on leaving anyway one day. I think that's always mm-hmm. a thing that I heard of or, was always talked about as a possibility through high school and my early, you know, or late teens and early twenties and things like that, you know, so leaving uh, Tasmania isn't a very um, unknown or a big deal for anybody who's growing up, especially in the AFL system down there. Everyone who's, uh, you know, an AFL talent from like 15, 16 onwards down there knows that they're going to have to move. So it's not a big factor. And maybe that's why I really lack sympathy for these players that want to go home um, mm. because I grew up in a place that didn't have that football team. And maybe that's something on my part to look at a little bit more, but you know, I lack so much sympathy for players wanting to go home and play in their States because you're an AFL player. You shouldn't understand that this is part of the game and you get paid handsomely to do so. And, you know, I never saw that as a barrier growing up. Everyone I knew, um, I went to school with Jesse Lonigan, who played for the Gold Coast Suns for a lot of years, was drafted pretty high. And, you know, I knew him since primary school and he always knew that he was going to be moving into state. So, you know, it's not something I have a lot of sympathy for and any players coming out of Tasmania are more than aware that they're going to have to move for this opportunity. So, Anyway, without going on another rant about that, that's uh, sort of my position on that there. So hopefully there's some insight there because 
from Tassie and knew a few people who made the the College Asnies as well were the same yeah. uh, down in Tasmania. Um, I loosely knew them through some people and, you know, they, everyone always knows you're going to have to leave Tasmania to sort of make anything in that world. So, you know, it is what it is. Oh, good one. Last question here then. Billy Wordle? I wonder if that's actually your last name, Billy. That's cool. Did you invent the game? Anyway, we can't ask him right now. We have a <laughs> podcast to do. Um, Billy says, what are, <laughs> oh, man, I'm so tired right now. It's like 11 p.m. <laughs> and I've just, I've just lost it. I feel like the last half of this podcast, my uh, my vocabulary maybe hasn't been at its peak. So if anyone has listened to all of this and you're still listening to Good us work. go here, yeah, thank you so much. I love you so much. Myself and Joel, we're losing our minds here. And uh, it is nearly 11 p.m. and I still have to edit this and watch Australia win the cricket. So, look, a good and a frustrating <laughs> night ahead. So, last question, and then I can go and do all the other tasks and then go to bed and go back to work and cry. So, all right. <laughs> Billy says, what are uh, his, as in Joel, what are Joel's thoughts on the rucks that may be available around our late first round picks? He's named Green, Goad, Mitch Edwards, Archer Reed, or any others that we may look at. Uh, who would be the best option for North to take? So, we've done some ruck chat. Um, who is the best for us to take? Ooh, um, as a single, I'd consider Reed as a more forward slash ruck, probably in the Coleman Jones uh, mold. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd probably consider him more of a forward. Uh, he did move into the center with good effect. The one that I'd probably want the most is still green, just given Edwards has a few clouds over him uh, concerns. Um, but that's not on field. That's off field stuff. Um, Go though has been coming late and he's got a lot of assets, but if I had to pick one Ruckman, I would want green first, Um, probably go next. And if I drafted Reed, I'd be hoping that he's a forward. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I think that might do it for tonight, mate. I am cooking right now. I am cooking. Uh, but yeah, thank you to everyone who wrote in their questions again. Um, I really do appreciate the interaction. The podcast is doing quite well and the engagement um, on social media and everything is doing fantastically. So I really do appreciate anyone who listens to me waffle on sometimes. I mean, look, maybe around the draft, not so much, but we are in the off season. We've had draft, we've had trades and free agency. It's going to get dry and we're going to make as much content as we can to keep everyone engaged. But um no, I do appreciate anyone who's listening and engaging. Um, some fun podcasts to come. Like I did say before, um, a couple of the close to a flag boys should be uh, on the pod after the draft and we're going to record a live. Uh, oh, well, we're going to record while watching the draft. You're not going to listen to it live, but you will hear our live reactions, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we're going to plan some other stuff for the off season as well to try and entertain uh, everybody with some North chat because North Melbourne is 365 days a year. Um, <laughs> sometimes unless <laughs> they're really, really bad and they make me upset, but Hey, we're here for it. I'm rambling now, Joel. Uh, thank you for coming on again. Um, and the listeners did love you last time. So maybe you'll be a little bit more regular around here. Oh, thanks for having me again, Josh. Much appreciated. And, uh, great questions. Thanks everyone for your questions. I was happy to answer. Absolutely. You are, you really are a draft nuffy, aren't you? It's wild how much you know about the draft, man. It's crazy. It it baffles me. I love it, but it baffles me. It's good times. (laughs) Great times, hopefully for us in the future now. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for coming on again. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, 
Feather North Podcast on Facebook, Feather North Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, YouTube has been doing really, really well for me and I'm planning to start filming these as well. So if you do want to jump over to YouTube, it's just Feather North Podcast as well. Give me a like and subscribe and all that sort of stuff. YouTube really is doing the business for me at the moment along with the uh, with Spotify and Apple. So thank you again, everybody. I'm going to go edit this, watch the cricket, fall asleep and um, yeah. Thank you for listening this far because the last half of this podcast, I've been a bit deranged. So (laughs) thank you again. Thank you, Joel. And we will uh, talk to you guys very soon.